Hello everyone, I'm Sumeya and you are watching the Advocata's Reset Now podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things reform. Today's podcast is about debt restructuring with guest speaker Manjuka Fernanda Pule and it's hosted by Anita, our very own fellow at the Advocata Institute. Hello and welcome to Advocata's podcast. Um, today we have with us Manjuka Fernanda Pule. Uh, Manjuka is an independent legal counsel who is specialized in corporate law and financial transactions. Uh, he has experience as an advisor on sovereign debt restructure and transactions, um, and it is a pleasure to have him on our podcast today. Uh, Manjuka, thank you for joining us. Anita, thank you for having me, and it's, uh, it's nice to uh, talk about a subject that once was abstract and now um, live. I mean, it has. When I studied it, it was an abstract thing to me, but now we are living it and everybody in this country is living debt restructuring. So as as Manjuka has implied, our our topic for today is um, on sovereign debt restructuring. Um, What is it when we say we're going to enter into sovereign debt restructuring? Um, What what does that process look like? And uh, what are the implications of entering into a sovereign debt restructuring? These are all some of the questions that we hope to answer uh, today. Um, So on that, on that, Wayne, um, Manjuka, could you start off by telling us a little bit about what Sri Lanka's position is right now, uh, given that the country has officially defaulted and that we did default on our debt a few months ago now? Um, so what, let me, under, let so that people understand what a sovereign debt default is. We have declared to the world that we are insolvent, that we don't have money to pay our debts as they come due. And so basically we are run out of money and now we need to, so only way you tell the creditors or your creditors that you need to give us some relief in order so that we can meet your debt, uh, debts, in the, uh, debts in the future. And that's where we are. So at the moment, we have, as a country, we have announced to the world that we have no money. Simple as that. And we can't pay the debt. So what has now happened is that if you see to everybody implications, is that that's why you see that people can't access credit markets to ra- for banks to raise money. It, banks cannot go to the market and get uh, get it, their uh, trade uh, trade trade lines credit lines uh, rolled over because we are seen we are not we are, we are there is a risk that's we have also insolvent means we have also told that we don't have sufficient reserves to pay our debt mm. so it means that you know in case the bank in case banks don't have money they can't go to the bank the central bank and ask for money to foreign currency to meet the liabilities that's why when we say we're insolvent, they don't, they have, they, you can't get trade, trade credit and they can't roll over. And banks have, have now to have cash to pay for whatever, whatever, uh, whatever imports we have. And that's, mm-hmm. that, is a, that is sort of a sum and a way it will affect everybody and in, in sort of import. So, so even though it's um, spoken of as a sovereign default, the impact of this default is really felt not only by the Treasury and the central bank and the public banks, but also by the private sector. It is it everybody. It affects mm. everybody. I mean, you. It's like unfortunately, unlike a company where it's sort of one part of the economy, this is the entire society as large is affected, uh, and that's unfortunate thing about sovereign defaults. That's why countries try to avoid it in a way because it is also it how it works 
is that that's a way the financial markets react to it to ensure that once you declare that you can't pay, you sort of you you cut you they cut you out for the financial system in a way to force you to enter into negotiations to start a program to repay, and that is where uh, how they how they make the data country actually sort of uh, force them to think about uh, restructuring or rather uh, engaging the creditors also in a kind of it so that it makes a commercial. If they are forced and it will only alternative they have to do. So otherwise, you see, because unlike a company, it may not have any assets. It is a legal entity by itself in a country. It is that sovereign uh, can set its own laws. So it is. It, it is so when our, our, so how the financial system would work is to uh, is to cut a country out of it so that it it has incentive to sort of get into engage the creditors to repay. So go, good old days, they had the when when uh, when defaulted people sent gunboats. But mm-hmm. now it is more the financial system that may causes the country to sort of start a plan to repay. Right, and it does make also in reality it makes sense because it it actually in, in fact also because what happens is you run out of reserves, so the banks cannot pay get money to pay the pay for imports in case they don't have it. And that's how it it works. So although um, the Sri Lankan government uh, decided to announce the default and sort of enter the default preemptively, given the state of our debt, was this inevitable? Well, the question is whether it is entirely whether we were preventive or we were mm. forced to. I mean, Sri Lanka defaulted on uh, what I what we know was almost run out of reserves. Yeah. So the argument they say is preemptively. I don't think it's. Uh, it's a proper nomenclature to describe it because preemptive debt would be in a situation where you think six months down the line I'll run out of money, but I have reserves of five billion dollars. So I, I want to ensure that my people can eat and drink. I have I don't because I know when moment a moment of default, I have no access to credit markets. I have my my banks will be will be will be uh, difficult to uh, the country's banks with excess trade credits. So you have your you have your reserves. You'll be able to use your reserve to support your financial institutions to imp- import. But that is not the situation where Sri Lanka was. You see, one uh, good example of a preemptive, cred- pre- preemptive default was in Uruguay, mm-hmm. where, where they, they, the moment Argentina defaulted mm-hmm. because the economy was interlinked, they, in, I believe it is in 2001, Uruguay defaulted. And it's one of the places where... The, where the impact on the society was not felt that much. Mm. Ecuador, to a certain extent, also did it when during the COVID pandemic because tourism went down, the oil prices went down. So they also defaulted. And then they, within six months, they were able to restructure the debt and, and basically get get back some credibility in the market. Right, right. So... Now that the country has defaulted on the debt, the kind of what has it has almost become a buzzword now is, uh, you know, now we're going to have to enter into sovereign debt restructuring. Um, And uh, while this has been discussed and debated and uh, sort of uh, bandied around uh, in the... in every sort of conversation since the default and and honestly prior to the default as well... um, uh, it is quite difficult to find a very clear understanding of what sovereign debt restructuring really is. I mean, to uh, um, to exactly to tell what sovereign debt restructuring in a sort of simplified way is that we are finding a, finding a path 
to what we call debt sustainability. Yeah. Is that you would be able to create a situation where you can meet uh, meet your debts as they come due. So what you now have your situation where you have no your debts, you can't pay your debts. You said that put up your arms and said that you cannot pay your debts. Yeah. Now with uh, the sovereign debt restructuring would be ensuring that you are once again solvent. Basically, you are a path to sol solvency. What are looking for? That is but in a somewhat debt debt restructuring is. So from from insolvency, what's a path to self solvency? That is debt debt restructuring. Right. Um, so could you um, could you shed a bit more light maybe on you've kind of very succinctly put it as this path to um, path from um, in, in terms of like the sol solvency of the state. But um, when we speak about the process of debt restructuring, so what would what happens in the debt restructuring process is that you see when you put your arms up now you have you must understand that there are creditors people you owe money to. Mm. In our case, that would be the bondholders. Yeah. People who have claims, so their money, their their money is acknowledged. You can't say that I, you can't say that no, I I, I owe you thousand dollar rupees, and uh, he, if he claims you thousand rupees, and and I and I say no, I can't. There's no space to say that I have hundred rupees because I've acknowledged that, so I have mm -hmm. to pay that. I have loans to bank. I might have loans to banks. Sri Lanka maybe have loans to banks, like to Chinese banks. Sri Lanka has borrowed on commercial terms. Then Sri Lanka has money owed to. Uh, uh, countries like Japan, India, uh, China, China. Then also the Sri Lanka has owes money to multilateral institutions like ADB, which is a big credit. And Sri Lanka owes money to um, IMF, World Bank. Mm -hmm. So those, so when you, you have put, we put your, we have put our hands up and said that we have, we, we have no money to pay our bondholders. So bond, uh, just to simplify what a bond is, is that bond is that is acknowledged debt in a piece of paper, you say that I, I, you have given me hundred million. Over this one, I will, I will pay over defined period, certain amount of money. And the end of it, I'll pay a bullet sum. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 sum. It's not like a, unlike a bank loan, which is amort, amortized means every as you as each installment you pay the interest and the credit. In a um, in a bond, it is you pay it. At, at the end of the end of a term, the entire thing, and right. it's also freely transferable. Mm. So just that people understand that the bond is. Mm. So that is. Uh, so we have we have we have defaulted our bonds. We have defaulted. We have uh, we have called what you call sovereign bonds. So mm. Sri Lanka's in, in foreign currency have uh, bonds. Then Sri Lanka has defaulted on what you call bilateral loans taken by country, and they said that they won't be able to after a cutoff date they won't be able to pay those uh, either the April twelfth. So the, after April twelfth, only new fresh, fresh financing they will they will finance. Mm -hmm. Other than that, they will the old financing they will not pay unless they intend to. We can we can give they can give us some debt relief. Right. So that is that is basically what what is the trying to attempt to obtain some uh, debt relief so that put it on on a become a solvency but that debt mm -hmm. restructuring. So what would this mean is that you then. If, since you don't have the money to pay, you need somebody to give you some money or uh, somebody to tell you tell you uh, that you are able give you some money or put you put you you certificate that you're on a path to pay. So then we have mm -hmm. approached IMF, and in that process we have what they call they have done a call what they call a debt sustainability analysis. That's a DSA which tells you um, if you meet certain targets, that means debt to GDP targets. You will you you can become solvent again. 
So, which means that what you do is you would have to look at your expenditure and your revenue. Yeah. And when, as you you would increase your revenue while curtailing expenditure, and also in, in context in in, con, in relation to the growth of economy, and come to a point where you, where the IMF would say that if you follow this this path, you will become solvent. So that's mm. what first thing. When you use that, then you would next uh, next thing would be to hire some advisors who would tell you advise you or what you call it the what a debt indicate debt restructuring um, in indicate in indicative debt restructuring but so what you need what you need to do they will look at and say okay you need to um, ex, you need to change your debt profile you need to be able to uh, get reduce your debt so by so many so many percentage in able to meet that so then you would have to then they would tell you you'll have to go and speak to your creditors either to get um, reduce your interest you pay for them or you need can get extension of the time period you pay for them or you need to pay reduce the um, principal amount you paid for them and those are the three things what you need to do hmm. and then they will tell they may say that look you can't only deal with you might have foreign creditors you might have to have local creditors you may have to you might also have to uh, you might have you can't just do only bondholders you'll have to do sort of you might have to get relief from the multilaterals mm. so to interest that is where the what is the debt restructuring process is about right. so what debt restructuring processes happen is what is what you call np mm. on uh, net present values right. so you bring down your what in, in order to get debt relief you would always measure uh, what you need to bring your debt present debt uh, bring it to what a net present value and how much of the, how much of on net present value you need to uh, uh, re uh, reduce to in order to meet the debt sustainability okay so basically that is where where you start so if if the if other if some imf tells you that you need to by by 2020 you need to have your Debt to GDP is to seventy percent, ninety percent, or something. Mm. Sri Lanka is, I believe, is at one hundred and thirty percent. So then you need to bring your get your uh, present debt, net present value of your present debt is so much. You, if you want to bring to meet your fiscal targets, there you need to reduce your net present value of it current debt to, uh, and and to so much. Right. So you need to put proposition that to your creditors, and they accept it. So sometimes the creditors would say, right. We can give you that net present net present value. We will give you, but we will will we we are you need to share it among burden among credit among mm -hmm. creditors. So you mean we can't be the only person you take. So we may because they will try to get the minimum as possible net present value yeah, yeah, um, discounts for their for their debt because they will try to say that every debtor has to take much so that every debtor shares that burden. Right. That's where where they they will try to do. Uh, so that is the debt sum of a debt restructuring process. Mm. Uh, most countries would try to keep it, keep that burden away from their internal economy and to find a foreign only foreign debt. Right. But sometimes, as you said, if you can't meet the debt, if you can't meet the debt sustainability targets, which uh, which is sort of considered to be where you can you can you can be part of self solvency, uh, you will have might have to get to take the pain to your internal economy. And do what you call uh, basically um, uh, local debt restructuring. 
Now, sometimes people, what happens is that you make certain types of debt, like debts which government, central bank holds up for the government, not infinite debt. Right. Debt for, for longer periods of time. I mean, so that you don't, there's no maturity in the debt. You just pay the coupon and there's the you know, debt in perpetuity. So that you don't keep it. And so there is various methods. If the local debt, they look at various options. Um, Sri Lanka's unfortunately problem is that most of our bond debts also, I mean, comparatively 10 years. So it's a short term debt and high yield debt. Yeah. So we may have to, uh, in order to uh, meet the debt sustainable targets, probably the fair amount of debt, what you call debt reduction, debt relief may be needed. Even the Chinese banking debt, which is also considered commercial debt, would also have to be reduced in its burden. Okay. Uh, but there is also a school of thought that we may need local debt restructuring, mm. uh, which to which uh, which is uh, which would require sort of reducing uh, payment of uh, if it's near term, maybe payment of the principal principal amount. Or even or extending the maturities of those debt. Right. Yeah. Um, so before uh, before we kind of um, explore explore some of the, the the next steps a bit in in further detail, um, I'd like to ask you 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 kind of mentioned um, in the process of doing a debt sustainability analysis. Uh, a part of that, a component of that is looking at the government's finance position, looking at the government's fiscal position yes. rather. Um, so given Sri Lanka's current position, in terms of our domestic policy, what what is it that needs to be done to aid this process? So we would have to, basically, it's, it's, the sustainability would be looking at two sides of the coin. One is revenue, one is expenditure. Right. So revenue would mean, so government, see now the government has declared to the world that it's insolvent, which means that its space to borrow from the rest of the world is very is limited. Right. So what, if government is able to do, it can it can transfer the burden of non-taxation, borrow from the from, borrow from the other countries, to from the uh, fine, foreign uh, financial markets, and not burden the, taxpayer for to meet its fiscal deficits. So when the government can't do that, it has its limited space, its policy of options are doing it is limited. So it will have to then raise taxes, sell assets, uh, and on the expenditure side, it probably have to cut down expenditure. It'll have to find gaps and rationalize the expenditure. Mm. It is also then another because in a DSA will also would mean that you you will also want to bring your debt to GDP down, which means even domestic debt, the government's space to borrow comes down. Mm -hmm. So government will have to keep to fis particular fiscal targets. It would have to keep to achieving primary balances. Mm -hmm. It would have to means, it also means that government cannot, can, will have to have somebody called fiscal responsibility and say that, okay, we can, we, we only in contingencies we will to borrow from the local government bank. It has so, Basically, what happens is when if the sustainability is bring down from 130% to about 90%, that of GDP, and that may be also aided by aided by GDP growth, but it also may be it has to be brought down that the ability to borrow and add on to the existing burden has it brought down. So essentially, from the perspective of domestic policy, 
through this, regardless of the fact that debt restructuring will be taking place, there is a lot of policy change that has to happen exactly uh, to aid the process. And you must understand, this is not, you know, what I failed and people understand is now that we have, there are actors that who were not constituents to government policy earlier. Mm. In the sense that you, you earlier people think, and one of the things that I feel that people think, now the government just can, you know, uh, go to the IMF, get some money and, you know, everything. Or there is, you know, they, they can sort of, uh, have hundred ministries have to do something which I which they don't realize that there are other people external the external actors now in, in in creditors watching one watching what is happening because they expect to get paid yeah. so they they will also want the government to not won't be look do a business as usual right. you know they can't have large rest they can't have you know go and give election gundus or for instance so they 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 are they are also watching what the government is doing what they want is credibility from the government they are right. they may engage with the government they will want a government that has credibility will be able to give a plan to them and stick to the plan so they get paid mm. because what those creditors have is rights mm. they are i mean like any domestic any debt any any default in a domestic they also have the similar rights to go to courts therefore we have given them those rights and we can they can make uh, our sri lanka's life uh, miserable again because they can by long as the debt is outstanding, we will be still considered defaulted. We will be insolvent, mm. and we will go on like this forever and ever. So they know that, and they 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 know knowing that they will in they will also want the government to uh, government to behave in a manner that only if they behave in a manner that gives credibility to the process, gives them plan that they can pay, and and stick to it, that they will also engage to give some debt relief to so that we can start our mm. country again. So you you mentioned the fact that uh, the creditors have the ability to sue the government. Yes, indeed. And I think this has already taken place with the Hamilton Reserve Bank suing Sri Lanka. Um, and I believe it, this has uh, sort of taken place under or through the collective action clause. It's um, not the collective action clause. Basically, right. what has happened. So the collective, uh, uh, collective action clause is something different. It's, it's, right. a, it's an instrument in the terms of uh, it's... it's um, Ensure that ensuring that you there is uh, uh, collect uh, there's collectivity in sort of the debtory structure where one party just cannot cannot uphold when, when the majority of the creditors agree to something he cannot just hold out and say no I I want I don't I'm not willing to do it because it's so that it's it's a process where you so that collectively collectively you, everybody can come to some agreement so okay. over a certain threshold that is a collectivity act. This is not basically what they are saying is that we promised them to pay, yeah. and we bought to pay. Bought we have a billion dollars billion dollar bond which matured in November, July. We over the over the last over the last one we repeatedly assured them they they went and bought two hundred fifty million dollars of it. Now you have you are saying you can't pay pay us the money. It's simple as that. They are going to try to collect their money. That's what right. their claim is. They are also saying is that another thing. What you call a paripa not uh, paripa. They are saying that according to um, the state statement, that we are giving preference to one creditor over another creditor, mm. and there is a clause in the credit debt contracts or the bond contracts which says that uh, Sri Lanka Sri Lanka's external debtors debt means or Sri Lanka's debt which is denominated except in Sri Lankan rupees. You can't pay one. You can't pay one debtor whilst not paying the other data. That is, there's a clause. So they are citing that clause and saying, look here, you have said that you're going to pay the SLDB debtors. 
but we are not getting paid. Also, I think in that clause, our, our particular clause, external, external indebtedness clause, covers, in fact, multilateral debt because all debt denominated except in Sri Lankan rupees is uh, cannot cannot be paid. You cannot one data cannot be give preference to another according to that clause. So what they are trying to do is get an injunction preventing Sri Lankan government from paying one type of creditors mm. in preference to other creditors. That's what they are trying to do. But I believe what their actual aim is is trying to get trying to uh, get sort of um, extract much uh, much money as possible and get a minimum minimum uh, minimum haircut uh, or whatever minimum right. de- de- burden on themselves they will like to see the burden shift to the local debt holders if they will like to see the so they will try to see that that's what seems mm-hmm. to be what they are doing uh, so because they have a right but they have but you must having said that they have a right it's a plain thing they have, we have acknowledged that to pay a billion dollars we have not paid mm-hmm. and we are defaulted on it so the case is plain um, the plain vanilla case it says you know you all promised me to pay and I not paid that's it right so um apart from that um there's been a lot of discussion around the IMF agreement that is currently being negotiated um and has been hmm. in the negotiation process for a while actually um what role does the IMF have to play in the debt restructuring is it simply a sort of signaling of credibility or is it something more now IMF is sort of I I think it's called a place role of anchor. Okay. So IMF, I mean, IMF itself has if you are if to IMF to lend in terms of Article Six of its of its um, of its articles, um, agreement articles agreement I believe it's what I nomenclature used. You cannot lend IMF cannot lend to government to a to a gov- country to pay its debt. It can pay. It can support. It can only give to support its foreign foreign currency uh, and its basic balance of payments. That's what it wants. You cannot do because IMF money is actually public money, right? Taxpayers' money. So the IMF, the more shareholders of IMF have said that you can't use IMF money to pay or pay that, and only they can lend if the debt is sustainable. Right. So that has been implicitly a process to show to the creditors also. Like look here, I, when IMF gives you the money, they will. They will tell you or tell, show that you are they are on a path to solvency, and it's a sort of a ballpark process to show that show that IMF will put will say uh, that now the government has agreed with IMF to a path to solvency. We are an insolvent country seeking money from the IMF. We are not a country seeking IMF like Bangladesh has done to support its imports, where they feel that they can't they may reserves may be hampered into get their oil oil imports. They are various commodity food imports so that is not the situation meet their trade bills mm. we are we are borrowing money now because we don't have money to basically our reserves are run out right. that's exactly where we have we have, we have approached IMF so we approaching the IMF as a as an insolvent insolvent country and before the IMF comes in they would and what they do is uh, they would do something called a debt sustainability analysis which I alluded to earlier to show to so that the government uh, would they would tell the government you need to do X Y Z to become a solvent country again. Then anchored to the Article Six, IMF also has what you call the debt uh, the debtors in what you call uh, debtors in default 
lending to default policy. So the IMF has a policy saying it, 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 it doesn't tolerate, for example, where a country that defaulted on its pay, repayments of the World Bank, mm-hmm. IMF will not. IMF will have then have will will tell the government will the country to go and say you need to speak to the World Bank and if the World Bank you say that agrees to you, then they will what you call a, a, a debtors in a, a debtors in a, then they will apply debtors in default policy and then with the con- concurrence of the IMF with the World Bank or a financial institution the international financial they have defaulted to and if they're credible plan the IMF will start so that's where the IMF also has a set of rules which. Uh, ensure that a country sort of uh, engages the creditors uh, before it starts defaulting. So its anchor, it has a it has a sort of a role as an anchor mm. to play. Uh, maybe in, in local uh, local sort of a domestic domestic uh, restructuring, it would be more of a, a manage of a administrate of a scheme of arrangement or a, uh, so that that is where where I. The analogy would be there in local things. Right. Um, so another sort of buzzword that has been thrown around is this of bridging finance and saying that this is the next step that we need to be thinking of um, or not thinking of that's that kind of the next step of this process rather. Um, could you shed some light on what Now bridging is? finance, which I, in my understanding of what bridging finance had been, mostly so because IMF will not lend to... Uh, will not lend to uh, debtors in default, what you call uh, in, in situations of default, where, mm. where for example, uh, uh, countries are not paid, paid its IMF dues. Mm. IMF has not paid, has not paid uh, uh, World Bank. Now, Sudan had that problem. Right. So, IMF could not lend to it. Neither it can, so no other institution could lend to it. So, sometimes friendly countries, as the president I have seen, is you can, they will give finance, to uh, finance the IMF or whatever institution that prevents the default that is not being paid, to uh, give that money to pay that in order to access IMF funding. Right. That is what bridging finance. The first time that I have seen this idea of the bridging finance to finance consumption, it has. Mm-hmm. I don't see precedence of this. Okay. I am. It's. It's. I don't know where it suddenly came off that you get bridging finance to see because now what was. Let me look at this. India from today, from from the day if we default today, has given five billion more. Hmm. Now that adds to the debt burden. Now we yeah. have said that we are not going to restructure. We're going to pay that in full. But anyway, that adds to the DSA because they will not. The creditors will not say like, look here. Yeah. Why should we give them? I mean, they, we are. It's all voluntary. Why should one creditor get over another? So the creditors will push to say that, look, you need to bring them to the debt mix and those may also fall back. We can say whatever we can say, but that only really complicates something. So I have never seen this president of what they call bridging finance. Mm. And now, uh, so mostly what I've seen in bridging finance is, you know, sort of where it is sort of limited amount now. For example, Sudan uh, got $1 billion from uh, France Correct. to pay its IMF dues. Okay. So what happened is moment the IMF money came in uh, in Sudan's restructure of his debt after over years it when Bashir Al Bashir after it, uh, uh, defaulted on debt and the new government come they they restructured those they had to come to negotiations and that is mostly bank debt and and uh, multilateral debt and bilateral debt so the Fr- French gave the money moment the IMF, IMF gave the money the Sudanese paid that money and and started the IMF program. And while going, while that process was going on, 
the other parties restructured their debt. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was bank debt, I believe, and also um, multilateral and bilateral debt. I see. So I, I that's the, those that. So basically, bridging finance, it's seen in not even in, it's seen in everyday commercial thing where until you get loans or short term financing instrument, mm. until you can access long term financial instrument lending, it's seen every day done. So, um, but I have not seen in the context of a restructuring of, of governments borrowing money to conserve to uh, to uh, finance its day, finance its consumption. Right. All right. Thank you. Um, so before we kind of wrap up, um, before we kind of wrap up, I just have uh, sort of one final question for you. Um, what is your outlook on Sri Lanka's debt restructuring process? Well, see, the thing is that it, it to me, I, I think there is, we need to, we need to sell a little bit of it. I think what has happened is that I feel that there's, uh, we need to tell, we need to show that we are serious, we are credible, yeah. that we can push reforms and we can get GDP growth. That's basically, I think we, what's happening is now uh, is that there is very uh, conservative DG, GDP growth estimations that are happening in the DSA mm. and that's because of that the now creditors are looking this way that way to see uh, what uh, we know whether we should push the burden on the domestic market that is I think one one thing I think one unfortunately for us that we wait kept it to the last moment mm. and we kind of gave the market saying we are going to pay and then did not pay that ruined our credibility so we need to be able to get back credibility we need to be able to show that we are going the extra mile. We are going to think out of the box. We are going, we are changing ourselves, and then we are doing things to get GDP growth soon as in the in the near term as possible. Right. If we do so, and we do we need to do so. We need to fix. I think one of the things that we need to fix is our tourism industry. Mm. We need to get because tourism is one factor has not worked, and we need to get the debt burden out of the tourism industry as has a lot of effects debt in there. We need to get that. We need to get some liquidity effects liquidity into the market, and show that if the if show that tourism numbers work in the meantime, and may get get to give credibility to the our estimations of GDP growth, then then the creditors will also start thinking, okay, these people we can let them let them we will believe them. Perhaps we can also what I in my opinion is put our, put the money where our mouth is and give what you call. GDP warrants. So, for example, mm. we will tell the creditors, okay, we will give you, you get a haircut, NPV haircut or so much, but if we growth, we are saying our economic economy will grow so much, so you can, will increase the value of your debt over uh, your payments mm. over so many period, okay. if because of debt. So, you, you really then get them to leave, do a uh, do a leap of faith in it. Mm. And we hopefully we can convince it. It's it's a difficult thing, but I'm, I, I am, I am, uh, I am optimistic about it. That's great to hear. Um, so thank you so much for joining us Thanks. today, Manjuka. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Anita, for having me. You've given us a lot of insight into the process of debt restructuring, um, the, the various options available for us. We can reduce the principal, we can extend the maturity, we can reduce or adjust the interest rate. Um, you've also given us a lot of perspective as to what needs to happen parallel to the debt restructuring process in terms of domestic policy. Um, and the sort of cred- signaling that we are sort of credible and committed to this process. Um, 
So thank you very much. Thank um, you very much, Rani, for having me and giving the opportunity of engaging with you and the public and everybody. That's a great response. Right. Thank you. You can listen to this podcast on Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And remember to follow us on all our social media platforms for more exciting content. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to like, comment, and subscribe. See you in the next episode.